How's it going? Welcome to the Perfect Faith Podcast. I'm Kirk Klingerman, your host. This is episode eight of season five. This episode is entitled The Basics Part Two. So we are continuing in a series that we started last week, which basically is talking about the basic elements or basic teachings of the doctrine of Christ, or if you want to call it Christianity 101. And we've been using Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 as our basis to start with anyway. And we'll just see where it goes and how far it expands. We're taking our time with this one. I mean, I just, I just want to emphasize the importance of being thorough when it comes to studying the Word of God. It, it can be so tempting sometimes to hurry from one subject to the next, just like when you're reading the Bible, it, it can be so easy to want to hurry up from one chapter to the next or one book to the next and what have you. And in so doing, sometimes we can overlook some valuable information or things that the Lord would want to show us in that word. So that's one thing that we're trying to do here is take a more slow, methodical approach to the doctrine of Christ because it's so important to create a foundation from which to work. I mean, we need to grow those deep roots in the Word of God so we both can be anchored when things get a little bit rough, but also receive nourishment from that digging in. You know, like the roots, we know that nutrients come up through the roots. So if we grow deeper roots, the more firm we're going to be to stand in the Word, uh, more we're going to grow from the Word and then have it available to us when the time comes when we need it. So as we do this, I wanted to clarify a few things from our last time we got together in relation to repentance from dead works. Last time we looked at some definitions of repentance, and one of them that we talked about was from the Hebrew side of the house, or the New Old Testament, and that word was shub, which for those of you that have Strong's Concordance, that's uh, Strong's number 7725. And that is a primary verb that means to turn back or hence to turn away. And it does have other connotations other than things pertaining to repentance, but we're not jumping into that area. But there is some important clarifications or maybe emphasis that we want to place on this because one of the things that this word does do is place an emphasis of repentance on a national level. But it's important to clarify that that no way removes the individual responsibility attached to it. As a matter of fact, the more we study this out, we discover that we find more personal responsibility attached to this word. So last week we used Ezekiel chapter 33, 1 through 20 in relation to this topic. And so if you want to jump into Ezekiel 33 and read 1 through 20, which talks about this repentance and more of a national level thing, but yet at the same time we do see an interweaving between the nation and the individual because Honestly, you know, a nation can't repent apart from its people. I mean, what is a nation by definition? It's a community of people that are that ha- that that's based on various commonalities. So, 
That simply means that when it gets down to it, when a nation repents, it has to be done one person at a time. And of course, preferably, it would be done in mass. And we've seen examples of that in Scripture. And one that comes to mind, you know, just now is like Nineveh. When Jonah went to preach at Nineveh, and you know the story of Jonah and the large and the big fish or whale or whatever. Um, when he preached at Nineveh, the entire city repented at one time. When the king of that nation called for repentance, we saw repentance take place. Just one example of, of, a, of a number. Um, however, when it gets down to it, if you want to see the nation in which you live prosper or be blessed, it really starts with you and with me. It starts with the individual. Uh, if a person doesn't want to change, then that person cannot expect his or her nation to change either. You know, it just requires each individual stepping up to the plate and doing their part. Now, secondly, keep in mind that if someone in a nation hears the call to repentance and does not heed that call, that individual will be held accountable. You know, it's easy to think because there's a call to a nation for repentance to think that, well, you know, it's, it's going to be on the nation. It's not going to be on me. Oh, no. Go back again. Like I said, read Ezekiel 33, 1 through 20, and you'll find out it definitely is for the individual. If that individual does not heed that call to repentance, that person will be held accountable for it, right? So it's important that each of us, as disciples of Jesus, have an example, because without the example, we have no influence. In other words, influence requires example if we're going to see change take place in the nation or the community, the state, or wherever you may live. It requires us to live in a way that leads by example. And I'm not talking about that hypocritical look-at-me type of way. I'm talking about a way which is done with humility and with boldness in the power of Holy Spirit. You know, if we want to see our nation, our city, our village, our area in which we live to be godly, then we have to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord ourselves. So we ourselves have to really just center on repentance. I don't know about you, but there are those times when I need to go before the Lord and ask him to show me the things that I'm overlooking, the things that I need to change, the things that he's dealing with me. I need to pay attention to that. I need to constantly look at that guy in the mirror and make him look at me and just say, hey, you've got to listen to what the Lord's saying to you. And if he's calling for repentance in any area of your life, just as I do, because like I said last time, I don't pretend to have it together, right? I'm still seeking out the Lord's will in my life and seeking to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And part of that conforming is repentance. I'm, not, I'm going beyond just the, the repentance that we have at conversion or when we first meet Jesus. I'm talking about a constant state of conforming to the image of Jesus where he is dealing with us in different areas of our life, you know, that he's calling us to repent or to think differently. 
And with that in mind, you know, yeah, there's going to be, a, there's been a lot of emphasis on repentance in the last episode and in this episode, but there's a reason behind it. And one of them is the sense that the Holy Spirit really wants it, wants it to be emphasized, okay? And as I said before, by the time we get to the area of um, uh, the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment, we'll see why for sure. So let's move on just a little bit and let's talk about the very first place we find the word repent in the Bible. And this one actually speaks in relation to God, you know, where it talks about God repenting. And this is taken from Genesis 6, verse 6 through 7, which we'll read in just a few moments. Um, however, this word for repent is not the same word that we talked about just, just a moment ago, this word shub. This is a different word altogether. You know, so... The one thing as we bring definition to this particular word, we'll find what it means when the Bible talks about God repenting. And of course, let's be clear, God has never had anything that he's needed to repent of, right? In the way that we've had to repent. So let's talk about this word. This word, I'm going to try to pronounce it correctly, nakam, uh, which is Strong's 5162. It's a primitive root properly to sigh, that is, breathe strongly, by implication to be sorry. In one sense, it means to lament or grieve. In part, it means to grieve on account of anyone, hence to pity. Along with that, one may lament or grieve over one's own actions, thus to repent. It also means to comfort oneself, and check this out, or to be comforted, or one final meeting is to take vengeance. Okay, so let's go into context here. Genesis 6, verse 6 through 7. And it repented the Lord, or the Lord was sorry, that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repented, repents, repenteth me, for I am sorry, that I have made them. So we see in context, we find that grief is attached to, this, to the meaning of this word, right? We find that God was sorry that he did it. It wasn't a, a sense of, oh, I did something wrong, I need to change that. It's just like I'm grieved with man, basically. I am grieved at what's going on here. Now, let's go a little bit further in relation to God repenting. Often, his changing of his mind was, con, was um, predicated upon or contingent upon man's response or lack of response, right? In many cases, it would be the result of repentance and or someone make an intercession for the nation or for a group of people. And of course, one example that we find is with Moses and the children of Israel, and there's a, a number of instances of that alone found in Exodus, and of course there are other examples we can get into. In Jeremiah 18, 8-10, kind of gives us the, the flavor of this, right? If that nation against whom I have pronounced 
turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning the nation and concerning the kingdom to build and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. So there we see how it is that the Lord changes his mind in relation to repentance or lack thereof. It, it's just contingent on what we do. So take that to heart when it comes to your relationship with him. The things that he tells you he wants to do for you can be contingent on the way you walk your walk. And again, I'm not talking about walking by works or that sort of thing. We walk by faith and not by sight to be sure. But there are some things to take heart here about, right? Obviously, repentance matters to God, but so do our prayers, right? Repentance matters, but our prayers matter. So never stop praying and never stop interceding on behalf of others. You know, needless to say that this applies to the nations or the state or the city in which you live. Your prayers matter. Think of it this way. In James 5, verses 16 through 18, it says, The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, or as it's also rendered, had like passions. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. So again, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. And keep this in mind, in Jesus Christ, we are righteous. So take heart, your prayers matter. Okay, we're going to address something that maybe some of you have thought about, and that's, here's a question. Did Judas repent? Remember, Judas was the one that betrayed uh, betrayed Jesus. So did Judas repent? So I'm reading from Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, speaking of Jesus, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See you to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. So when reading Judas repented himself, one might wonder, well, did he actually repent in the true sense of the word of repentance, in like turning from evil to good? But the word repented as in repented himself, is not the same Greek word we defined in the previous uh, episode that we met together on. This particular one is from the Strong's 338, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, sorry about that, but this word means to care afterwards, that is regret or repent self. It simply means to have dissatisfaction with oneself for what one has done. It means to change or alter one's purpose. It also means to have anxiety consequent on past transactions. 
It also means to have pain of mind rather than a change of heart. Okay, there, there we have it. It's, it's having a pain of mind or anguish rather than change of mind. It has a change of purpose rather than a change of heart. The bottom line, the word merely means regret. That's all it means when it says Judas repented himself. It simply means that Judas had regret. You know, it can carry a meaning of changing one's mind or purpose after having done something regrettable. It expresses a mere desire that what was done may be undone, accompanied by the regret or even remorse. However, it has no effective change of heart. In essence, it means little or nothing more than a selfish dread or the consequences of what one has done. Okay, metaneo, Strong's 3340, which we talked about last time, on the other hand, means regret and forsaking the evil by a change of heart, which is brought on by Holy Spirit, right? Which is the result of Holy Spirit convicting us. So here's a different rendering of the same passage that we read. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned... He felt remorse. So that's all that word really means is that Judas was remorseful over it. Over it. And here's a, here's a couple quick thoughts, right? If Judas did indeed repent, why didn't he go to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness? I mean, we see nothing where it says he sought forgiveness from God. Number two, since he went to the priests, why didn't he plead Jesus cause you know why didn't he go to bat for him and try to intercede on his behalf try to get these priests to stop what they were doing and keep them from you know crucifying jesus why didn't he why didn't he intercede on his behalf if he really did repent and of course we know what jesus said about judas ultimately in matthew 26 verse 24 the son of man goes i'm sorry the son of man is to go just as is it is just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And so consider this. When we read where John the Baptist or Jesus went about calling people to repent, the word he used was not the one that we just talked about, but rather... The one we talked about before, metaneu, Strong's 3340. It was the previous word that we talked about that Jesus used when he called people to repentance. It wasn't this one. So he didn't call people to regret what they've done. But rather, he called them to change the way they think about what they've done. And as a result, they would have remorse or regret but or godly sorrow. Because only godly sorrow brings repentance. Only godly sorrow brings repentance. And so there you have in a nutshell, repentance. And I believe maybe next week we'll start jumping into the, the second element of the basics of the doctrine of Christ, and that would be faith toward God. And so with that, we're going to end it right here. And until that time... The Lord bless you, my friend.